Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. I got dad jokes. Can I share some dad jokes today while we're on it? I feel like, come on, this is, if there was ever a Sunday appropriate for some dad jokes. Rochelle says I'm immature sometimes, but she said the other day, she said, Mark, you're being immature. I said, get out of my fort. <laughs> that was a dad joke. <clears throat> I uh, <clears throat> a couple dad jokes for you just to kind of break the ice, if that's okay. Uh, I ordered a chicken and an egg off of Amazon. I'll let you know. No? We'll keep going, I guess. I'll gauge the silence of that response as a bad joke. Um, I wrote a couple of them down. Let me just uh, share a couple of them. Uh, what do you call Batman that skips church? A Christian bail. No? Targeted joke. What do you call plants in the bathroom? Toilet trees. Got a couple more. A couple more, guys. A couple more. I spent a lot of time, money, and energy childproofing my house, but somehow my kids still found a way in. Did you hear a rumor? Did you guys hear the rumor about butter? I spread it everywhere. All right, a couple more, a couple more. Uh, what do you call someone with no body and with no nose? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. All right, just two more, two more, two more, two more. What do you call Boaz before he gets married? Ruthless. Ruthless. What do you call a mean Boaz? Mean as. With an AZ. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Don't take broke as. We'll keep going. Um, just joking. Just joking. What do you call pastors in Germany? German shepherds. German. All right. We offended everybody. We'll move on. It's Father's Day. God bless you. And I had a few more jokes uh, about construction, but I'm still working on them. So, um... It's fun to make people laugh. If you have your Bible today, turn with me to Luke chapter 2. <clears throat> We're in a series called Transformed. And uh, every week at Ocean's Church, we, uh, we open up God's Word. We believe that God speaks through His Word. And contrary to some of you, maybe your upbringings, we believe you can actually enjoy God on Sundays. I don't believe being bored out of your mind actually honors God at a higher level. I believe sleeping through a church service does not make you more spiritual. And I think that sometimes, quite frankly, it's good to have a little bit of humor in the Bible and teaching, because the Bible says that laughter does good like medicine. Yeah. Who else takes some medicine today? Come on. And uh, my, my doctor, you know, told, our, t- told me that, you know, sometimes it's the sugar and the Flintstone vitamins that help the medicine go down. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell, uh, I'm going to read uh, 12 verses, 11 verses out of Luke chapter 2, and it's Father's Day. So I want to talk to you about being transformed by our Father's business. I want to talk to you about living your life, being transformed by your Father's business. I'm going to tee this up, but in Luke chapter 2, it's a story about Jesus as a 12-year-old. It is one of the only snapshots we get of Jesus' young life. And uh, it's interesting, the story, the context of the story. So I'm going to read uh, 11 verses to you. I'm going to pray. I'll lift up either the Phoenix Suns or the Clippers. The jury's still out. 
And after I pray, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell a couple stories. If you laugh, we'll call them jokes. And I want to connect what I share with you in the beginning to four ideas that I believe God wants you to leave with today. I believe these ideas will build faith in you to believe God for an encounter, for miracles, for breakthrough, and ultimately to remove the barriers that hinder you from God. Church is a place that we get close to Jesus. Can I get an amen? So we're going to have fun today. And again, this, this church, we like to have a good time, but make, I make no, no apologies about it. Our goal today is not just to laugh and have fun. Our goal today is to meet with Jesus. So I love the Holy Spirit. I love the presence of God, but I also enjoy a good sense of humor. Can I get a good amen? So today, if you have your Bible, uh, Luke chapter 2, let's read this together in Luke chapter 2, verse 41. This is a story about Jesus and uh, again, if you're reading your Bible with me, you can read this together with me. But it says, uh, it says, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem every year, every year, for the Feast of Passover. They were, they were dedicated, devout Jews. Passover was one of the most significant events of all the Jewish customs and, and, and holidays. And when, they, when, they, when it says, when, they, when Jesus was 12 years old, how old was he? When he's 12 years old. It was his custom to go to the feast. Now, when he had finished those days... As they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. Someone say linger. Anybody ever raise a 12-year-old that knows how to linger? I'm late most of the time because I have a 12-year-old that knows how to linger. It's like, how long does it take to put shoes on? I don't know. Lingering. Lingering. And it says that he lingered behind in Jerusalem. Joseph and his mother did not know it, but uh but supposing him to be with their company, <clears throat> they went a day's journey. They sought him amongst their relatives and acquaintances. So they did not find him. They, they lost God. <laughs> Mary and Joseph were the first ones to ever leave Jesus at church. Not the last. They, they lost him. They returned to Jerusalem looking for him. So they came back to church looking for God. Now it was that after three days, they found Jesus in the church, in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening, listening, and asking questions. And all of those people were astonished at his understanding and his answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed, and his mother said, son, you have done this to us. Why? Have you done this to us? Look at your father and I. We've sought you anxiously. Jesus acknowledges here that he has an earthly father, but makes no mistake about that he has a heavenly father. Watch what he says in verse 49. He said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must? Say it with me. I must. I must be about my father's business. How old is Jesus? He's 12 years old. And like anybody that would do something great in life, usually the greatness of people in their 20s and 30s is what they must have been doing when they were 12. Athletes. Come on. A lot of people do great things in their 20s and their 30s. It's connected to what they were doing at 12, 13, 14, and 16. He said, I must be about my father's business. They didn't understand the statement that he spoke to them. Then he went down with them, came to Nazareth, and he was subject to his father and his mother. And I've learned this, that you'll only ever have authority in life when you're under authority. He was subject to them in all things. She kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom, 
Jesus increased in stature. He increased in favor with God and with men. Can I ask you a question? If Jesus needed to increase in wisdom, how many think we need to? If it was possible for Jesus at 12 to grow in wisdom, how many believe that we can too? If he could grow in stature, how many think that we should grow in stature? No? How many think it would be good to grow in favor with God and with human beings? 10% of the room wants to grow. Who wants to grow in favor? Come on. I want to grow in favor, man. I want to talk to you today about being transformed by our Father's business. Let's pray together. God, we just love you. I pray for the next 25, 35 minutes that you would lead us, you would guide us. I pray that fresh breeze would keep on kicking through these tents. I pray that you would meet us, whether we're far from God or whether we feel close. We invite you, Lord, today. I know many people have had negative experiences with fathers. So I pray today that if people have lost the joy of the Father, that today you would restore the dignity and the integrity of that word. Thank you that you are a good, good Father. And I pray you meet us today. Pray you bless the Clippers or the Suns to win the championship in Jesus' name. And somebody said amen. Amen, amen. Amen. I, uh, I don't know why. My daughters, they love bowling. I don't know. They love bowling. Uh, it's like one of their favorite things to do. I think it's okay. I don't mind bowling, but it's not the top of my list. But it's funny you become a parent, and I, I just, I don't know. Maybe I'm just getting older. I'm 37. I look 36. I'm 37 now, and... Um, I'm getting to an age of my life, it's weird the older you get. When you're young, you're like, man, these pro athletes, they are older and stronger and faster and, and way beyond me, you know, in age. And then you get older, you're like, whoa, that athlete is my age. And then you start watching, you're like, whoa, I could be their dad. How did this happen so quickly? It's funny, the older I get, I realize, I'm like, man, I am no longer old enough or in shape enough to be in the NFL, the NBA, the NLB, the NHL, or the, the men in black, MIBs. <laughs> Sorry, millennial joke. I'm, it's funny, the older I get, I'm like, man, I lost my swimmer's body, but I might have a bowling body left. <laughs> you start looking at sports like, man, I can still play that. I, I really do like bowling because it's one of the few sports that you can play for two hours out of the blue and not get sore. The older I get, I appreciate sports you don't get sore from. I appreciate that it's uh, one of the few sports that you use. Really, the only equipment you need is recycled shoes from the time of Christ. And uh, little Lysol cleans those things up. And a shot put with some holes in it. Bowling's a fascinating sport. It's a sport you can play with hospital fluorescent lighting or club black lights. <laughs> Bowling is intriguing to me because it's rare that you can play a sport that allows you to watch other sports while you play that sport. <laughs> games, good games, good game on right here. It's your turn. I love the sports that encourage you to eat and drink while you're playing it. Not a lot of sports like that. I've never seen Tom Brady smashing a Costco dog. Time out. I love that, man. The thing I don't like about bowling is the sanitariness of the holes. Can we all agree that those things are dirty? I would argue that maybe the only thing dirtier than your toilet is those bowling ball holes. 
But it's okay, guys, because the guy that was the chef at the bowling alley only wants you eating finger foods. <laughs> chef, what's on the menu? Nachos. What else? Hot dogs. What else you want? Fries. Pizza. How about hot wings? Anything that requires you to... <laughs> bowling. Hashtag bussin. I'm telling you, man, bowling is quite the sport. Quite the sport. My little Chloe's good at bowling, and uh, I'm going somewhere with this. I was teaching her, though, bowling is interesting because there's uh, arrows. When you first get, when you, when, you, when you get close to dropping the ball, there's close arrows that if you line the ball up with those arrows, you'll be on point for the pins. So there's almost a preliminary target that if you're accurate there, you don't get points. But if you can somehow hit the first mark, it'll set you up for the end goal. I was praying, and I just I felt my soul so strong this week that many Christians, I believe, they have a wrong view of what the Father's heart is for the long-term goal. Many of us think that the purpose of life is just to get to heaven. And I think if heaven was the mere goal of life, then when we got saved, we might as well just die. Because if that was the end, we should die after we get saved. I think if the end goal was just getting there, why would God leave us alive after we get saved? I believe that the end goal has to be bigger than just getting to heaven. Just believing in the free gift of grace that Jesus died to give us. Now, I'm not opposed to that gift. It is the starting point. It is the preliminary. It is the arrows that point us to the pin of life. But Jesus shows us at the age of 12 years old, he gives us a target of what we're supposed to do to leverage our lives, not to live for our business, but to live for his. I believe many people are empty in life because they succeed in their jobs. They succeed at marrying models. They have beautiful kids. They have beautiful homes. They have beautiful lives. But there is a vacancy of purpose inside of them because they've never tasted the joy of living for the Father's business. Jesus knew that there is a business that's worth living for. It's interesting that at the age of 12 years old, it says that, that there, was, there was little Jesus there at 12, and it says he lingered in his Father's house. I believe where you linger reflects what type of business you're living for. Some people linger in bars. Some people linger in clubs. Some people linger in the wrong environments. Some people linger in environments that are toxic. And we wonder, why am I not producing good fruit when I'm lingering in dark environments? Jesus, Jesus gives us priorities at 12 that, hey, if you're going to linger anywhere, linger when every time the church is open, be lingering there. Love the house of God. Linger in God's house. Someone say Father's business. I believe it doesn't just teach us how to linger. He teaches us at 12 years old the power of listening and asking questions to the right people. He's asking pastors in the church. He's going, hey, hey, I have a question for you. Hey, I'm listening to you. One of the worst things you can do is listen to the wrong voices. I want you to know that when the devil speaks, all he speaks are lies. And hell's goal is to get you to agree with what's not accurate. I want you to know that when, when, when the devil attacked Adam and Eve, he was after their agreement. Notice he says, God has, has God surely said? He knows that if you eat that tree, you're not going to be messed up. You're going to be like God. The devil tempted Eve, but Eve did not get messed up until he, she agreed with his lies. 
today, I really felt like that one of the things we got to do if we're going to be those about our father's business is we have to listen to the right voices and ask the right questions. I think that many times we get advice from people that have not succeeded in the area that we want to win in. I always tell our students, I say, guys, don't get financial advice from your broke family members. Don't get marriage advice from your family that's been divorced 16 times. Don't get, come on, are you following me today? Don't get travel tips from someone that's never been on an airplane. You want to get advice from people that have won in the area that you're weak in. And many people, they make physical goals. January 1, I'm going to get my six-pack back, right? (laughs) I lost 12 pounds during the fast, but I found 17. Um, I'm going to get my, 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 I'm getting rid of this dad bod. I'm I'm getting rid of this father figure. Come on. I'm going to get rid of it. And we make physical goals in January. We make financial goals. I'm getting out of debt this year in January. We make family goals. I'm going to be a more present dad, a better husband, a better father. But it's interesting to me that the thing that maybe is the most important of everything of life, we don't make any goals for, which is I am going to get closer to Jesus. Where are you lingering? Who are you asking questions? Who are you listening to? He shows us that not only do you have to linger, not only do we listen, he says, I must be about my father's business. Can I ask you a question? What is your must? What is your must? I think some of us go, man, I must go on vacation every six days. I must retire at 27 years old. We have all these crazy musts. What is your must with God? Come on, we should get some musty. Come on, speaking of bowling shoes, someone say musty. I, uh, I believe that God wants us to have a must. He always said things like, I must preach. I, I must suffer, and, and the Son of Man must suffer, and, and the Son of Man must be lifted up. I must be about my Father's business. Jesus shows us that if we're going to be about the Father's business, that we must. And it says he increased in wisdom and stature. I don't know, I was praying this week, and I believe that something was true of this Father's Day about you that was true of Mary and Joseph back then. I believe some of you have had Jesus with you, and somewhere along the way, you guys have broke company. I was praying this week, and I saw some of you guys that you're like, Jesus was with me for years. But somehow, like, we went to church like two years ago, and something in me just turned towards God and turned away from him. And uh, I really haven't had him with me since then. Some of you left Jesus at church at Easter in 2018. Some of you left Jesus at church at the funeral for your mom and your dad 10 years ago. And I felt like God said today, tell my people that I want to transform them by putting in their heart to invite me back into their lives again. Let's get God back in our families. Let's get him back. They, they lost God. They, they, they misplaced God. They, they left God at church. How do we know that he's not with us anymore? The evidence is the lack of living for our Father's business. I believe that when God is with us, we are possessed to live on mission for what values Jesus has values for. I think a lack of transformation oftentimes is a lack of revelation of our Father's business. So what is our Father's business? Good question. Let's answer these four things. I want to write this down today. Number one, our Father's business, I believe, is connected to knowing that we are, number one, we are made from our Father. Right, say it with me, from him. I think most of us, we don't prioritize God because we think God came from us. 
we don't realize that we came from God. We, we think that, you know, one scholar said, in the beginning, God created man, and ever since, man has been trying to return the favor. We create a God that is made in our image, in our likeness. We think he's only capable of what we're capable of. Say with me, we are made from him. From him. What does that mean? I want you to catch this idea. In Genesis chapter 1, everything God made, when he, when he made plants, when he made produce, when he made seeds, God would speak of what it was supposed to be made of, sustained by, and returned to. So if he made a tree, he'd say, all right, you're going to come from the earth, you're going to be sustained by the earth, and when you're gone, you're going to go back to the earth. When Adam and Eve sinned, their body, their body did not die, but their spirit did. And man's body was from the earth, dust. And when we live, we're sustained by the earth, earth. And when we die, our bodies go back to the earth, earth, <laughs> earth. But even though you live in a body, you are a spirit. And your spirit came from God. You are made in the image of God. God said, let us make man in our image. So your spirit is from God. Your spirit is sustained by God. And when we die, we return our spirit to God. Amen? We, we live for our Father's business when I realize, look, this life is temporary. I came from God. I'm sustained by God. And I'm going back one day to God. Amen. And the reason why so many of us get distracted with stuff that does not matter is because we forget that we came from God and we're sustained by God. And one day we will close our eyes here and we will open them up on the streets of gold. And our spirit will live with him forever. I believe that if we're going to be about our father's business, what do we got to know? Jesus wanted us to know at 12 that I'm going to be about my father's business because we came from him. Not only did we come from him, here's the truth, guys. We are like him. Do you know that God the Father made us in his image? And how do you know what God's desires are? I think we see God's desires actually are found oftentimes in our desires. What do you mean? Genesis chapter 2 says that Adam was naming all the animals. Can we all agree that what the heck was Adam doing? It must have been weird when it says that it's not good for man to be alone. We don't know if he was climbing trees with underwear on his head. Come on. God's like, this is not good. This guy's alone. we got to find a wife. This guy is a mess. Get him married already. It says it's not good for man to be alone. It says that there was found no suitable helper, companion for Adam. So he took, he took woman out of, it means out of woman, means out of man, right? Man is out of God, and woman is out of man. We know he called her woman because he saw her the first time. He's like, whoa, man. Oh, my gosh. I believe it's so significant here because when God created woman, it, was, it says that he was looking for a suitable companion. Because he's looking at hippos and penguins, and it says he found no suitable. And he goes, wait, no, woman. What, what do we know about, about our Father in heaven? Uh, on Father's Day, we got to remember this. I really do believe that Jesus teaches our Father's business is not just about remembering that we came from him, that we have to remember that our desires are like him. Yeah. Do you know what God wanted? You know what God wanted? He wanted the same thing that Adam wanted in the beginning. You ever notice it's hard to shop for people that have everything? 
what do you give a man that has a beautiful lush garden, has a six-pack? We know he had a six-pack because it says he was naked and unashamed. <laughs> Hello, church. He's in shape. He's got abs. He's got a great diet. He's got great pleasures. And it says this, that he had everything, but the one thing that he was hungry for is he was hungry for a bride. He was hungry for a helpmate. He wanted somebody to love. You know what God's desires are? If we're going to live for our Father's business, we've got to remember this. God, the Father's desire, is for a bride. His desire is the same as ours desire. He wants somebody to love. That's why Jesus will come again. And when he returns and he comes to California and he finds a great church like ours in Orange County, he's going to find a bride that's not weak, but a bride that's beautiful. A bride that loves him. A bride that honors him, respects him. A bride that covers him. Are you hearing me today? Lavishes our praise on him. See, our Father's business, if we're really going to live for it, is we got to remember that we are made from him, and we are made with the same desires like him. Our desires are for love, and guess what? God's desires. Number three, I want you to write this down. We know that our Father's business is, is wrapped up in this idea that we came from him, we're made like him, and number three, we are made, check this out, to love him. Do you know what God's number one desire is? Let me tell you what his desire is, but before I do, I'll tell you what, what devil, the devil's number one desire is. Lucifer's top priority is your worship. He wants the worship that belongs to God to come to himself. Are you hearing me today? That's why in the Satanic Bible, the first rule of the Satanic Bible written by Anton LaVey, the first commandment is it says, do as thou will. Because when you live selfish and you live rebellious, the Bible says that rebellion is as of the sin of witchcraft. So witchcraft is connected to rebellion, and rebellion is connected to selfish living. So living like there is no God and you sitting on the throne of the universe is the fastest way to worship hell. It's getting quiet in the Presbyterian church. It's all right, though. I don't preach to faces. I preach to hearts. It's all right? Hear me today. So the, the devil's greatest desire is your worship. God's greatest desire is not worship. It's your love. God's number one. Do you know why he gave you free will? Maybe the most risky gift ever given to humanity, free will. Why is there evil in the world? Because of free will. Why doesn't God, if he's so good, why doesn't he get rid of suffering? Because, ladies and gentlemen, it's free will. Why doesn't God stop genocide in the world? And why doesn't he stop evil things from happening? Well, if God was to start cracking down on evil, where would he put the handcuffs? Would he put it at the action level of shooting people? Or would he put the handcuffs on the thinking level of, I thought about hurting somebody? If you went down to the action level of thoughts, we'd all be dead. Free will, hear me now, was the evidence of God's grace because, listen to me, without free will, you cannot choose to love. The number one reason why God gave us free will is because he wanted us, me and you, to give him the greatest gift that a king that has everything could ever possess. What do you give a God that made everything out of nothing? What do you give a God on Father's Day that he doesn't already have? The love of his children. You know what God's greatest desire is? It's you. You're his bride. 
know what the father wants? He wants a church to marry. He wants to live happily ever after. Hijacking Hollywood this morning with his bride, with you and with me. And that's why the devil works so hard to steal the worship that belongs to God. That's why it's important what music you listen to, friends. Music is a vehicle that takes you places. Did you know that music was not made for us? It was made for God. You ever notice you listen to some music and it makes you angry? Listen to some music, it makes you sad. Listen to some music, it makes you sentimental. You listen to some music. You ever notice that you put, you put video and pictures to music and it moves you? God made music for him. Why? Because one of the ways we express our love is through music. What did the devil hijack? Worship. Music. Why did God make Lucifer with stringed instruments, percussion instruments, and with wind instruments built into his physical body? Because he was a worshiper that leveraged music to love. And when Lucifer fell like lightning, guess what God did? He replaced Lucifer in heaven with a choir of humanity. We are the only creatures on the earth that have vocal chords that have wind instruments called lungs, and we have percussion instruments. Some of you are using them right now. You know why hell hates it when we sing in church? Because we remind the devil of what he lost. We remind the devil of how we replaced his role in creation, that we are the people that honor our God. Are you hearing me today? Worship expresses our love. What is our Father's business? To live a life that is a reflection of freely giving God our love. What is, how do you love a God that has everything? Well, how about this? When you're stressed out, you love him by saying, God, you are my shalom. You are Jehovah shalom. You are the Lord, my peace. How do you worship a God with your love when you don't have enough money? You say, God, you are Jehovah Jireh. You are the God that will provide. How do, you, how do you love a God that has everything? When you get sick, you say, you are Jehovah Rophe. You are the Lord who heals. Listen to me. We show love by the way that we trust in our God, regardless of what life throws us. This is how we honor our Father on Father's Day, is we realize I was made from him. I was made like him. And guess what? I was made to love him. The greatest gift humanity can give God is love. Every father wants the heart of their kids. And I've learned if you love God so much that you care for his heart, not just his hands. So many people want the blessing of God that comes from the father's hands. And they don't realize that if you would just go after God's heart, you'll get what's in his hands. I was made. The man can come up almost finished. I believe that fourth, are you still with me today? I believe that we are, we are made to live in our Father's business, to live, to live focused on our Father's business. And we do that by remembering that we came from Him, that we are like Him, we were made to love Him. And how about this? We were made to overflow Him. Now, I know that's bad English, but it's really good theology, so just write it down. We were made to overflow with God. That's why it says in Ephesians, it talks about in 3.19, it says that, the, that the God's desire is that we might be filled with all the fullness of God. Yeah. You know what the first pins are in the bowling alley? Yeah. 
it's believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. But once you line those pins up, you know what comes next is, is this idea that God, would you give me the same spirit that got Jesus out of the grave? Would you fill me with such a reality of heaven that I would bring your presence, it, it would overflow out of me. I would be so full of God that my kids would see it overflow. My employees would see it overflow. That whether I was in a boardroom or a classroom, whether I was in a bedroom or a locker room, that the presence of God would overflow. How many want to overflow with God's presence? I just took a drink. But how many would say that, you know, let's just pretend this bottle is full, that the bottle is full? Is this a trick question? No, just come on, just say yeah. All right, we keep going. Um, let's just say this looks full, but it's not really full until it starts to overflow. Are you hearing me today? Overflow is measured not by being to the top, but by what spills out of your life. Many Christians have God living in them. But God, the Holy Spirit, he doesn't want to just live in you. He wants to flow out of you. That's why he says, I'm not a dam or a lake. I'm a river. John 4 says, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Why does he say rivers? Because rivers flow. We're not cisterns. We're not the Dead Sea. We are supposed to be rivers. His spirit flows through us like a river. You know what God, the Holy Spirit does? Is he, reflect, he refreshes us like water, but he also influences us like wine. And I believe the Spirit of God doesn't want to just refresh you. He wants to influence you. Ephesians says, don't be drunk with wine. Be filled with the Spirit. Why would he say that? Why would he say, why would Paul use alcoholism and and the Holy Spirit in the same parallel thought. Because the goal of Christianity isn't just to be full, it's to be influenced. It's wild. It's crazy they say when you drink alcohol, you're drinking spirits. You start studying actually the roots, the origins of alcohol, it's pretty crazy. The, the Hebrew words for alcohol comes from this word demon. And it's crazy that the influence they talked about when you had too much alcohol in your system, that this demon would weigh on your throat. And will basically push you down, and you would black out. That's why you black out sometimes when you drink alcohol. And this other force takes control of your body. You are being influenced by a spirit. So what does the Holy Spirit want to do? Well, he's holy, so the good news is it's not dark and weird. Praise God. It's getting a little weird there for a second. He's not dark and weird. What the Holy Spirit wants to do is he wants to get in you, and when he gets in you, he wants to influence you. You know what the Holy Spirit's favorite thing to do is? Write this down. He loves to give you the appetite of Jesus. You know what should happen to you when you get closer to the Holy Spirit? The things that you used to crave before Jesus, you should start almost getting a gag reflex for. Who's ever brushed their teeth in the morning and and you're brushing your tongue and it activated your gag reflex? This morning. All right, we're good. I believe the Holy Spirit almost gives us a gag reflex for the things that we used to enjoy that were dark. The Holy Spirit wants you to make, He wants to make you overflow with the, with the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Nine fruits, and then you read Corinthians and it says there's nine gifts. 
God wants to give you the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the gift of faith, signs, wonders, miracles, healings, tongues, interpretation of tongues. There is nine fruits of the Holy Spirit, and there is nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, which honestly, I think that God did that because you, the body of Christ, would be divided. You'd have half the church that would say it's all about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then you'd have half the church that say it's all about the fruit and the character of the Holy Spirit. We need a church that doesn't just act like God, but has the power of God. And there's other people that have the power of God, but none of the fruit of God. Are you hearing me today? Where are the Christians that are pure and powerful? I feel like we live in a time period that we have to choose one or the other. Are we going to be pure and dedicated to God and be godly? But man, you might get legalistic if you go down that path. Rules, purity, sanctification. One scholar said, if you want to be popular, preach on happiness. You want to be unpopular, preach on holiness. Is it about holiness or is it about power? Well, I think that if we have power without holiness, we eventually cave in. But if we have holiness with no power, there's no transformation. Where is the church that walks in the wisdom of Jesus, but also in the power of Jesus? That's the bride he's coming back for. If you believe it, put your hands together. I don't know, I just, I felt like God was so excited for today. He said, Mark, tell my kids that I want their love. I want to remind all of them, listen, you might have had a bad earthly dad. Maybe you had an absent dad. But I got good news for you. You didn't come from them. You came through your dad, but you came from God. Listen, here's the good news. You don't have to have a great earthly father to have a great relationship with your heavenly father. Today, I felt strong that God wanted to restore the integrity of the word father. Some of you, that word is like, it's like a cuss word in your life. I don't even like that word father. I don't even father's day. And I believe today that God wants to heal your heart from even the resentment. Some of you are hating somebody that's not even alive anymore. Today's the day that we give God those hurts and we say, God, heal the father wounds. We have a fatherless. There's so many people today that, that were raised with no dads. And it's, isn't it interesting? Even, even non-godly non people have done the science, done the numbers, and they've proven that if you want to see higher crime, remove the father. Higher depression, remove the father. Higher promiscuity, remove the father. You want to see higher suicide rates, remove the father. When the father is gone, the family begins to cave in. You need mothers too, but I'm telling you, the Bible says in Zechariah that God wants to restore the hearts of the fathers to the sons and the sons to the father. That's what he's going to do today. Would you stand to your feet? Feel his presence. God, we just love you. We thank you for your sweet spirit. We're so grateful today that you are a good, come on, a good, good father. And I ask you today, Lord, that if we have wounds from earthly fathers, absent moms, absent dads, if maybe we, we somehow connect the parallel between our earthly parents with our heavenly father, today would you heal us? Would you heal the wounds? I ask you that today would be the day we get liberated from the wounds of our upbringing. Some of you are 60 years old with severe father wounds from when you were 12. Today's the day that we say, God, forgive me, heal me. I want to live for your business. I am from you. I'm like you. I want to live to love you. 
And certainly, God, I want to overflow with your spirit. Father, would you come today? Would you come today in Jesus' name? If you're here today, could we be honest? Just have a vulnerable moment. Really quick vulnerable moment. If you didn't have a dad growing up, I don't care if you're female or male, you didn't have a dad growing up. Maybe you had a, maybe you had a dad that was absent. Or maybe you would say, I had a dad, but he just wasn't the best example. And somehow that has affected the way you connect with God as a father. Today, I believe that God told me this week that I'm going to heal those hearts. Today's the day that God restores not partial custody, but full custody. Some of you only connect with God on Sundays through somebody else. And God only has weekend custody of you right now. And on Father's Day, God says, I want full custody of my kids. If you're here and you say, Mark, I had a bad experience with the father. Maybe I had no father. Would you pray that God would heal a, a wound in my heart? from a father or a lack of a father we're going to be honest right now we're going to be vulnerable in church it's not weird to be vulnerable in church it's awesome can we respond to God right now if you'll reveal it to him he'll heal it all over the room today even if you're watching line, put your hand on your heart but if you're here today and you say Mark would you pray that God would restore restore my image and, and the integrity of the word father heal me today would you just lift your hands all over the tents just lift your hands up to be bold I didn't have a dad. Some of you are still mad at your dad. I believe that God is, God's going to do a work in your heart, hands all over the room. And I pray today, come on, someone said, we're family here today. Please don't ever get embarrassed by responding to God. It's the coolest thing you can do. If your hands are up today, would you do a favor if someone's next to you, next to that person, just put your hand on your shoulder. Just one person maybe, put, their, put your hand on their shoulder today. We're going to bless every one of these people today. I believe this. We put a hand on them. That's, that's representing the hand of God. I'm telling you that we are God's voice in the earth. Our hands are God's hands in the earth. So as we put our hands on our brothers and our sisters today, come on, just pray this prayer blessing over them today. Say, in Jesus' name, we thank you that you are their father. Would you heal the years, the wounds, and even what the devil tried to steal from who God is? I pray today they would connect to you as their heavenly father in a way they never have. Let them, let them have grace to forgive their natural dads so they can connect with their heavenly father. Let them live for your business. In Jesus' name, we bless them. Come on, bless them, God. In Jesus' name. I believe you're here today. I even just felt like there's something like of unforgiveness. You know what's crazy is uh, there's not really any other subject that Jesus talks so much about that had the power to hinder your relationship with God more than unforgiveness. I don't know who you are today, but I feel like some of you have been holding a grudge. Some of you, you haven't talked to your dad in five years, three years. Maybe it's talking to your son or your daughter. I believe God's heart is for reconciliation. And oftentimes, reconciliation starts with forgiving someone from the heart. Jesus said to bless your enemies. He said to pray for those that misuse you. He said to bless those that persecute you. Listen to me. We become like God with how we handle unforgiveness. Today, how many just feel, I just feel like this strong today. How many want to let go of unforgiveness? It is, God does not want you to die with that heaviness in your heart. How about on Father's Day? Let's make a decision today. God, I'm going to give you my unforgiveness. 
hands all over the room say mark i want to give god unforgiveness in my heart today i'm going to forgive them they don't deserve it but i'm going to forgive them the way that i didn't deserve to be forgiven if you say mark i want to i want to offer up forgiveness today would you lift your hands all over the room might be a boss co-worker a parent spouse kid how many feel like today i'm, I'm letting go of some unforgiveness let's be honest come on god's doing heart surgery right now right now come on put your hand on that person next to you come on lord if their hands up we just pray today give them grace to forgive i pray that it'd be easy to forgive starting today i pray that the bitterness would be like water off a duck's back and i ask you that lord health conditions there's someone that you get migraines all the time some of your natural health issues are connected to unforgiveness in your soul you took up somebody else's offenses i pray today in jesus name that God, you would remove the bitterness, you would remove the, the burden of carrying unforgiveness. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Yeah. All right, cool. Last thing we're going to do before I pray for those of you right with God today. If you're here and you say, Mark, I feel like God wants to heal. I just, I, there's areas in my mind that need to be healed. There's physical parts of my body that need to be healed. Would you pray that God would heal me today? God showed me last service there was a woman you just found a mass on your body and literally God is not only going to heal you today but I believe he's going to save your soul you're going to you're going to start a relationship with him if you need healing in your body I want you to lift your hands towards heaven I don't care if it's mental illness physical illness if you're if you're having a hard time getting pregnant I don't know what it is I just feel like there is miracles stirring right now come on can we sing this song we got time today we're still 10 minutes ahead of schedule. Can we sing this song one time today? We'll have you out here in five minutes. But I want to sing this song. If you need healing, I want you to lift your hands towards heaven. Let's just touch God real quick. Come on, let's sing this song one last time. Create an environment that we connect with our Father.
I felt strong today. I, I really felt Rashad and I were praying this week. You know what I, th- I believe that needs to happen? You can't win a war without men. There's something about having men on board that helps win wars. And I just believe that, man, evidence of this idea, check that this is crazy, but Mother's Day is usually one of the highest attended Sundays in church. Father's Day usually, I mean, we're, we're pretty packed today, but usually Father's Day is one of the lowest attended Sundays of the year. And it's a reflection oftentimes that fathers are not as spiritually minded as our mothers. And I just felt like this week we were praying and I just felt like God wanted to revive the men. I believe that God wanted to awaken the men. There is a war that needs to be won and God needs the men to come alive, to rise in their faith, to rise in their convictions, to rise in their love for God. So there's women here today as well, but I just felt like there was gonna be a response to this message with men specifically. There's gonna be women that respond as well, but I feel like there is many men that you need to make a public proclamation that I am going to live for my father's business. I'm not just gonna live to be a successful businessman, I'm not going to just leave money to my kids and houses to my kids and toys to my kids. I'm going to leave a legacy of faith. Houses and riches are something you leave to your kids. Godliness is what you leave in your kids. And I felt today a boldness for men to rise up and say, I don't care what my wife thinks, my kids think. I am going to make a public stand that says I'm going to live for my father's business. I am made from Him, I am made like Him, I am made to love Him, and I will, mark my words, overflow with Him. You believe it, say amen. Man, I'm going to call you right now. This is the time that we show our kids how to stand for God. I want you to listen, I, I feel boldness today. If you're here today and you say, Mark, I'm being honest, I'm either not living for Jesus all the way, maybe you're atheist today, and you know that today's the day that you say God is real, I'm made like Him, I'm made for Him, and I will love Him. And you're saying, if God is real, I want to live for Him. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in a minute. And along with you, I'm going to ask those that have had one foot in and one foot out. I'm going to call some of you that have had, you've given God partial custody of your life. You're Christian on Sundays, but your kids aren't seeing you Monday through Saturday living for Jesus. Today's the day that we give God full custody. We're going all in. Come on, somebody, say all, all in. Who wants to go to a church that the men are all in? Women are all in. We got some powerful women in this church. We gotta have some powerful men, some Bible reading men, some men that know how to pray, how to fast, how to seek God. God's reviving some men today. Men that aren't addicted to pornography, men that aren't addicted to toys and vices in caves, men that love Jesus. Where are those men? I believe that God's calling them today. So there's women as well. So please, if you're a woman, I'd love to see you respond as well. But if you've never loved God and you want to, or you're here and you've had one foot in, one foot out, and you go, today's the day that God's calling me to go all in. I want to overflow with the spirit of Jesus. I want to pray for you. Eyes closed, heads bowed. Men, women. God, the Father, He says, what do you want to give me on Father's Day? The greatest gift you can give God is your love for Him. If you want to give your life back to Jesus, give Him your love. Or for the first time, say, God, 
I believe that you are real. I believe that I can be full of you and I can live for you. I want to give you my love. Whether it's a first time decision or you want to rededicate your life, there's many today, but there's many men. Men and women right now. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hands all over the tents. If you're watching online, I want you to write heart, H-E-A-R-T, on the count of three. One, all over the room. God, I pray you'd speak to every heart. Two, I pray you would give men courage to stand for Jesus. Three, right now, all over, real bold, real high, real high. That's me, that's me, that's me, that's me, that's me. Real high, keep it up, keep it up, real high, real high. Two, keep it up, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Yeah, yeah, real high. Thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. Real high, real high, real high. Nineteen. Nineteen. Thank you. Twenty, twenty-one. Twenty-one hands. Twenty-one hands. You're watching the line, just write heart, H-E-A-R-T. Church, look at me today. At the end of our lives, long time from now, we will look back and you will have regrets of what you did in life. You'll have regrets of what you didn't do in life. But hear me very clearly today. The one thing I've never heard anyone say is I regret giving God so much. I've, met, I've been in many hospital rooms with people in their final hours. I've seen many people enter into glory as a pastor. I've never seen anybody say, I wish I would have given God less of my heart. But I have met a lot of them that said, I wish I would have given God more. I wish I would have given more of my passion, more of my time, my talent, my energy. I wish I would have financed more churches. I wish I would have financed more missions, more orphanages. I wish I would have lived more selfless for God. You will never regret giving God more. But we will regret the moments that we give him less. Today, with those 21, I feel like there's four more today that you didn't raise your hand, but you were supposed to. I'd ask everyone to close your eyes. There's at least four more. Your heart's beating out of your ribcage. You thought I missed you, but God still had his finger pointing at you. I'm talking to you, son. I'm talking to you, daughter. Don't miss your moment. I'm going to count to three one more time. And there's at least four more people that are going to raise their hands real high. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want you to raise your hands and we're gonna pray a prayer all together. We're gonna finish up. I wanna to count to three. One, there's four more people. Two, your heart's beating out of your chest. Let's make a stand now, right now. Three, that's me, that's me, yeah, thank you. That's me, there's four of you, four of you, come on. That's me, real high, real high, there's one. Yeah, yeah, where's one? There's two, there's two. Where, where are you at? Keep it up real high till I see you, till I see you. I see two, I see two hands, real high, real high. I saw two, there's three. Is there one more? One more, just lift your hand, lift your hand, lift your hand. Right there, thank you. Four hands, four hands, four hands. All right, there we go. 25 here, if you're online, there's more online. It's right heart right now. Ocean's greatest gift we give God. What do you give a God that has everything? Your heart. God's greatest desire is your love for him. So, Oceans, let's pray this prayer as we close today. Say, Jesus, I give you my heart. I give you my faith. I give you my love. Would you forgive me? Would you heal me? Would you wash me? And would you, would you cause me to overflow with your Holy Spirit? Empty me of me. Fill me with you. From here out, be the Lord, Savior, CEO, and leader of my life.
transforming by your business. In Jesus Christ's name. And everybody said amen. Give me a hand clap today. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.